coming up on This Week in Games, details of Nintendo's new interactive theme park are revealed, Epic Games Store combats review bombing, and the Valve Index could spark VR's 2020 comeback, coming up This Week in Games. It's that time of the week for your video game industry news rundown. I'm your host, Eric McConnell, and we are in the mixed bag of Q1 news. That's right. We're on a slow march towards GDC, kind of PAX East. It's going to be a hodgepodge of news, but first story of the week, pretty surprising. The Valve Index sells out of stock worldwide. So I'm going to look really stupid in 2020. Um, The Valve Index is a $1,000 VR hardware set created by Steam owners and sometimes game developers Valve. And despite this price, sells out in 30 out of 31 regions worldwide. This goes against conventional wisdom, even set by modern VR, um, because Oculus Quest, the best-selling VR headset, is at a lower price and it's a standalone VR headset, whereas the Index is a higher price and still requires a quite beefy computer to play. I don't know. You know, most of the press is attributing the sellout, obviously, to Half-Life Alex, Alex, I don't know how you pronounce it, which is a VR-only game that could be the fabled killer app that VR fans have been praying for. It's also the first Half-Life game in, I don't know, 50 years. (laughs) Who knows? Uh, I'm going to feel really dumb when Valve single-handedly creates the VR gaming uh, kind of demand and uh, all this shit I've been talking about VR kind of since this podcast started. I'm going to have to eat my words. But honestly, uh, they created a likely billion-dollar digital marketplace and are responsible for some of the highest-grossing games of all time, so we shouldn't be too surprised when Valve decided to get really serious about VR. I mean, there's even tells of uh, the Firewatch developers kind of dumping their next game. um, What was it called? In the Valley of Gods or something like that? Uh, Because they're too busy working on uh, (laughs) Half-Life Alex. So... I guess everyone that grew up with Half-Life 1 and 2 are old enough to have plenty of disposable income right now to afford a high-end PC and the $1,000 VR headset setup. Again, man, Valve doing it again. All right, next up, Epic Game Store combats what is known as a review bombing by teaming up with open critics. So review bombing is when a large number of people gather on the internet to bombard a digital cell and they bombard it with poor reviews, generally in order to draw attention to some issue that they think is like plaguing the world. Epic Game Store has experienced this in particular with their platform exclusive titles and games. To combat this, Epic has integrated with OpenCredit, which features an aggregate of professional reviews, links to the reviews, and reviewer recommendations on whether purchasing the game or not. Um, review bombing isn't something new. It's not a new thing. Uh, Steam has honestly encountered this many, 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 many times uh, over the years, and I've taken many measures of their own to kind of combat it. Uh, you can pretty much think about this as like maybe people think a Yelp, uh, a restaurant owner, is doing something wrong, and everyone goes on Yelp and like gives it one star reviews, or vice versa. You know, someone does something like very funny and it gets turned into a meme and people bombard it with great reviews so i don't know it's kind of the internet letting you know (laughs) how you're doing but it's probably just a minority crew that just likes to like minority crew not like maybe sub 10 percent of your users who feel very passionate about it 
I don't know, platform exclusives. Like it, like it really matters to people. I mean, go, go review bomb Nintendo for not releasing Zelda on PlayStation. You know, like what, what are we doing here? Speaking of PlayStation, PlayStation is skipping E3 for a second year in a row. So 2020's E3 will not feature the Japanese console leader as they feel that, quote, E3 is not the right venue for them, end quote, whatever the hell that means. Um, <laughs> publishers EA and console owner Sony are reported to want to see E3 turn into a fan celebration of games, but the ESA, the owners of E3, want to keep it an industry-focused events for announcements and getting those important details done. Um, as you guys hear in the background, there's some clanging. That's my dog eating his breakfast. It's 4 p.m. right now. I don't know why he decided not to eat all day and decided to wait till I started this podcast to eat. Uh, but back to Sony. I don't know. Making E3 kind of a fan celebration, there's plenty of those. Like, isn't that what PAX is? I mean, go sponsor PAX, Sony. You know? Um, E3 is what it is. It serves a very important purpose. Just like GDC is what it is. And it also serves an important purpose. I'm pretty annoyed by Sony. Even Microsoft will be attending and will likely show off the Xbox Series X. And I've given this rant twice, so I'll give you a TLDR version of it. But splintering E3 into company-focused shows only hurts the industry. Um, do your Sony-only show, but also save some big announcements for E3 and be present there. You know, pay for the, whatever you call them, the Sunday through Monday press conferences. Pay for those. Do a big show of it. You know, um... It's one of the few times where gaming news enters the mainstream press, and it becomes kind of our week. Like, E3 is the game industry's week, and when you splinter it, you kind of weaken that unity and that strength of the industry. <sighs> Sony. Come on, Sony. Come on. All right. Details of Super Nintendo World. Nintendo's, Nintendo's interactive theme park have dropped, creating massive hype, similar to kind of like what those Hogwarts expansions at Universal Studio Parks did. So this summer, Osaka, Japan will be home to the newest interactive smart park in time for the 2020 Tokyo Summer Olympics. The park will feature smart wristbands that will sync with your mobile phone and track interactivity around the park. And with the wristbands, visitors can do everything from like collect coins to play games with and against each other. And also during rides, interact with the rides, maybe like shoot stuff or be given choices and you choose stuff. Rides will be interactive, there will be life-size video games, and of course some sort of Mario Kart track with real-life go-kart racing. No details on how hard I can throw turtle shells or how many bananas I have to eat to make a cart slide. But I'm sure they're coming. The trailer for the park was a CGI mess featuring a pop song and dance numbers. Don't watch it. It's worthless. It's like the worst thing I've ever seen. Um, similar parks are slated to be open in the U.S. and Singapore at Universal Studio Parks. This could easily go either way. You know, Disney is the obvious leader in this space. And frankly, they think long and hard about interactivity and digital stuff within their parks. The problem with all this like digital interactivity stuff is you dump millions and millions of dollars into each uh, attraction but the interactivity and the screens and all the digital technology, you know, in five to ten years, it could feel very dated, kind of like the animatronic rides at Disney feel now. But those have nostalgia, like Splash Mountain are going to have like a singing and dancing bear and rabbit. They're going to have nostalgia. You're going to still love Splash Mountain. You know, imagine if like <laughs> theme parks still had CRTVs and like play the latest video games and it's like a GameCube and a CRTV, you know, like. 
you would kind of roll your eyes at it and then imagine developing a whole park around like current crop of technology you're gonna have to upgrade that um and maybe that's why disney doesn't go as hard into this as you know they could because you know disney has enough money pretty much to do whatever they want so I'm curious to see how this goes. That all being said, if I find myself in Japan, you can guarantee I'll be spending at least one day at Super Nintendo World. So that kind of avoids every negative thing I just said, because I'll go no matter what. So I'm sure you guys will too. All right, more news. THQ Nordic has Goodbye Kansas Game Invest rebrand as Amplifier Game Invest. GameIndustry.biz has the best quote on this, and they said it was, quote, Better reflect the new ownership. Yes, Goodbye Kansas Game Invest doesn't quite have a confident ring to it considering it's a Stockholm-based firm. Good job, THQ Nordic, for making them drop the game. Every time that came up on the news, I'd always be like, what the hell is Goodbye Kansas Game Invest? And then you'd have to look it up, and you're like, why is the Swedish company, like the Swedish holding firm, called, I don't know, you know, who knows? And we have a slew of predictable delays. I don't normally cover like individual game news, but felt like this was, I don't know, kind of special. So CD Projekt Red announced this week that Cyberpunk 2077 is being delayed from April 2020 to mid-September 2020. Three months out from release, the biggest game of 2020 is pushed back. The team will be continuing their crunch. Let's not pretend they haven't been crunching for two years. CD Projekt Red may not have the best reviews. I've never worked there, but you know, you can go read Glassdoor yourself. Um, interestingly, I mean, this shouldn't be ex- unexpected because The Witcher 3 also announced a launch delay three months out from its release. So kind of just keeping up with the pattern. Also, Final Fantasy VII Remake has been delayed, but only by a month. And I want to remind people because I talk to people about this game. Uh, Square Enix is planning on making this a multi-episode game, meaning this release is only the Midgar portion of Final Fantasy VII. This isn't the whole remake. Square Enix realized a long time ago that they can't, on their $60 games, they don't have the reach they used to, and they can't make, you know, a billion dollars off of one single $60 game anymore, so they have to drag it out and make their super fans, like, buy it 18 times. And breaking a big game up into episodes is their latest kind of, like, attempt at getting revenues i don't blame them honestly like this final fantasy 7 remake looks very 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 good and polished they probably spent who knows like eight years on it i don't know how long they've spent on it i remember it was announced it was announced probably when i was in grad school you know like that was like eight years ago i think um maybe even nine or ten years ago and they put all this time and money into it this game honestly should cost like a hundred dollars because of inflation and how much it needs the cost to recoup the cost. And for some reason, games are still $60. I'm kind of upset it's just the Midgard portion. However, we have to understand that's the business we're in. All right, let's go to some business news. Phoenix Games, Klaus Kirstein's latest game venture, acquires gaming label 16 Tons Entertainment. So 16 Tons Entertainment is known for a series of firefighter and medic simulators called Emergency and has been acquired for an unknown amount. Phoenix Games was founded by game investor and Flair Games founder Klaus Kirstein last April with a promise of many game acquisitions under their holdings group. 16 Tons Entertainment makes Phoenix Games' second acquisition following well-played games. Not quite the acquisition spree I was hoping for. Come on, Phoenix Games. (laughs) Certainly not 
I was really hoping Phoenix Games was going to be a THQ Nordic competitor, and like every week I'd be like, oh, Phoenix Games bought another company, but second acquisition in like almost a year or at least nine months, and the first acquisition honestly was probably planned before the group was even founded. Not quite, you know, THQ Nordic levels, but you still have time. Let's see. Let's see what you can do. All right, some sad news. Perfect World Europe, the Western arm of the Chinese publishers, reporting layoffs this week. Control, a Dutch publication, is reporting localization, finance, and customer support teams were safe, but pretty much all the other departments were gutted. Perfect World Entertainment is known for hits Neverwinter and Star Trek Online, but hasn't really released anything in note in many years, rendering kind of like a European publishing wing kind of pointless and without work, to be honest. Also... Similar kind of story, but a little different. Netmarble, one of Korea's top publishers, appoints a co-CEO in Sangwon Lee. I probably mispronounced that. I'm sorry, guys. So mobile giant Netmarble, known for Marvel Marvel Future Fight and Lineage 2 Revolution, but also tons of games. Netmarble has tons of games. All have made tons of money under their belt. Appoints a co-CEO as their chief global officer, Lee, steps up the focus on management and operations, and the current CEO, Young Sig Kwan, focuses more on the game and game development side. Netmarble stock hit the highest point in the last six months amidst this announcement, but it's still down over 50% from its five-year peak, so not great. Um, Netmarble is another company, really has great revenue, but it's off the back of pre-existing games. They didn't really release anything of note internationally last year they released some k-pop manager simulator that you know for all i know could be killing it in south korea i have no clue but internationally kind of like the marvel game maybe was their last big hit uh they may be expecting a bad 2020 and bad 2021 because of this and because of that they may need to reposition senior leadership to address you know a lackluster future that's my wild guess all right, that's it. That's it for this week in games. Um, on my end, nothing much going on. Got to see Conor McGregor, you know, convince everyone to spend $70 when he finished Cowboy Cerrone in under a minute last night. My Clemson Tigers got beat up by LSU in the college football playoffs. And right now the 49ers are playing. Hopefully they can get into the Super Bowl and I have a team to cheer for. All right, if you like what you hear, please hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast app. Also, leave a comment and let me know how I'm doing. And you can also email me now at eric, E-R-I-C, at thisweekingames.com. I finally discovered how to properly set up emails for this domain this week. So, yes, you, you guys can spam me, ask me questions, you know, leave me comments. I'll read them live on the air. And that's it for This Week in Games. I'll see you guys next week. Take care.